about something I believe Brother Hart said several months back, maybe even longer. But uh, it had to do with the idea of a healthy diet spiritually. And a word that I would use is the word balance. Everybody say balance. Uh, a, a healthy balance for a Christian balances the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You can't just have all Word and you can't just have all Spirit, but you do have to have both of those things. You can't have neither, either, or you're not a healthy Christian. Um, and we, he, I believe Brother Hart likened it to the idea of bread and water. Uh, you can use that symbolism, I think, in, in, in terms of the Word of God being like bread and the Spirit of God being like water. If we think about our natural diet for a minute, if you, if you cut out water and any liquid but you just decided to eat bread. How long do you think you could go like that? I couldn't finish a cracker. I tell you what, I'd have trouble. Uh, I'd want something to drink. Similarly, if I just say I'm just going to read the Word of God, I'm just going to read, I'm going to study my Bible, I'm going to read it every day, I'm going to get healthy and strong like a mature Christian by how much I read the Bible. You're going to get really thirsty for spirit, the spirit of God, if you are just consuming scripture, 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 scripture. I'm not saying don't do that, but add to it the spirit of God for a healthy balance. And then you could also say, well, how long would, would a person go if they just had water and no food, no, no bread, just water, just water? Your, your insides are going to start to fail. You're going to get hungry. You're going to get weak. I'm going somewhere with this quickly. If you think, well, I'm just going to pray and pray and pray and and witness and pray and talk to people about God and I'm just I'm going to go to church and pray and I'm going to go home and pray I'm just going to pray you're going to get hungry you're going to be malnourished if you're not adding to it the word of God you've got to have that healthy balance that healthy mix of both I think it's easier for us to understand how to get the word I'm just being honest well I just read the Bible I mean I can open it up to a random book and read and I'm getting some word that's true and then you spend more time studying and then if you're letting the Lord lead you maybe you have a Bible reading plan maybe you have uh, a daily routine or uh, a version of a, of a routine or, or a plan that you're reading through, that's, that's great. 
spending that time in that word and we see that's how we're getting we're ingesting word some of us also occasionally will listen to ministry maybe you're watching a video of a preacher on youtube or you're listening to a podcast or whatever and that's that's sort of ingesting word so my question is if it's easier to know how to get take in word how do i take in spirit how do i ingest spirit and i'm just i'm specifically talking about the spirit of god the holy ghost how do i balance taking in the word with the spirit of god i'm letting you think for a moment how do I get the spirit part of my diet? There are a few ways. Praying should be one. I will tell you, not to sound negative, but I'll tell you it's possible to pray without ingesting any spirit. If you're just, if your prayer is a needs list there's not much ingesting there is there I need this Lord and I need this Lord and I need this Lord amen I prayed today no you didn't you just told the Lord what you needed but prayer really is fellowship and communion with God and communion think about that term for a minute what do we do when we do communion or in the scripture? What did they do? They actually partook of things, right? So if, if I say prayer should be communion with God, that should be me partaking of his spirit, partaking of things that he would give me and say to me and share with me. Also, I already alluded to the idea of ministry. We should be accepting ministry into our spirit. And it should be the right ministry. It should be spiritual ministry that ministers to us from the God-ordained vessels in our lives. Just like it's possible to pray without edifying your spirit, it's possible to listen to a preacher without edifying your spirit. Believe it or not. But yes, these are ways that we want to have a healthy balance, have a healthy diet. Amen. Everybody say word. word. Say it again. Say word. word. Say spirit. spirit. The spirit and the word. We need those things in a healthy balance in our lives. Amen. I am going to ask Sister Dora to come and speak to us. I asked her to take some time this evening and share with us some scriptures that the Lord would give her. I appreciate Sister Dora. I know that she prays, I know that she spends time in the Word, and I'm thankful for that. So, Sister Dora, why don't you come and take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I'm just so honored to be able to come before you, and I thank um, Elder and Sister Flowers and, and a, a Bishop for giving me the opportunity to speak for you today. Um, let's just have a word of prayer before we start. Lord God, we come before you, God.
Lord, expecting you, Lord, to speak to us, Lord, to guide us, Lord, to be here with us, God, because we can do nothing without you, Lord. Lord, anoint the word. Lord God, we need you in this day, and we love you, and we praise you because you are God. We love your word, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, um, when Elder first texted me, I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> I was um, kind of, well, God had given me the, something, and I was just mulling it over in my mind, and I was just thinking, okay, all right. So then he started talking on Sunday, and the word was awesome. The word was, you know what, if, it, if it's okay. If you're not okay, it's okay. Because you know what, we're not going to be all okay every single day of our lives. It's just not going to happen. We're, we're human. And, and things are going to not go our way. And unexpected stuff will show up. And you know we have to be able to do more. So my, um, the word that God had given me was focus. And I was like, okay, let's focus. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it's kind of really hard to, to try to put it into words. So um, I'm going back to uh, something that happened in 1967. So um, in June of 1967, when Syria and Egypt and Jordan were preparing to attack and invade Israel, Israel attacked first. It was called a preemptive attack because they knew there was going to be a war. And they said, you know what, if we're going to be in a war, we're going to make sure that we're first. <laughs> so they launched a strategic air campaign that has been regarded as one of the most effective air campaigns in military history. Within hours, they had launched uh, uh, the, the airplanes, they, they went three times. I mean, it was just like they went, they did something, they came back, and within seven minutes, seven minutes and 30 seconds, they had them back out again. It was amazing that they trained their soldiers enough to be able to come in, refuel, reboot, and get everything back loaded up and go out again. So they did three sweeps, and in those three sweeps, within six hours, they totally invaded, they totally took care of all the airports, they couldn't get any air airplanes out of Egypt or Syria because of the way that they did that. They planned it so well. They had a clear focus to destroy the airfields and the aircrafts. They focused on the skies by destroying the Egyptian aircrafts because they were outmanned. They knew that if they went to war, they were going to suffer some heavy losses. So they took care of those things first. They destroyed the runways and the aircrafts, and they gained complete control of the skies. Their ground forces didn't have to worry about the air attacks because they took care of all of that. So they were able to go in six days totally, totally destroy whatever things that the enemy threw at them. They gained back the Sinai Peninsula. They gained back the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall that they had missed for so long. They gained back all these territories, the West Bank, and they gained back so much territory that they had lost to the enemy before. So when they finally got that Wailing Wall, they celebrated because they were like, this is what we wanted. We wanted to be able to control this. 
In six days, the war was over. The focused objective allowed them to have a quick victory that saved countless lives. They didn't lose as many lives as Egypt did, or Syria, or Jordan, or Iraq. They were able to limit everything. So being focused allows us to gather all the resources available to us and commit them intentionally, on purpose, so that we can achieve specific success. And you know what? This is a war we're in. We are not, you know, it, it's not just, you know, oh, the enemy's coming after me, you know. No. We got to stand up and we got to say, oh, no, the enemy's not going to do that. We have the right to be able to say that. We need to live a life of focus in order to achieve success. We need to stay committed, even through our times of failure. And we will fail. It's not all, it's not ice cream and, and sundaes. It's not all roses. It is sometimes dirt, hard work. I mean, you know, when you are getting down and you are trying to do something, you have to pull those weeds out. You have to set everything back again because it is not right. And we have to be able to do that. We need to stay committed even through our times of failure, through every situation that we experience in this life. We become wiser, we become stronger, and we become closer. We get closer to God. But if we never take the chance, if we just sit back and say, you know what, I'm okay with the way I am, it's not going to happen. You're going to stay defeated. You're going to let the enemy walk all over you. We, don't, we might not like or appreciate every experience because you know what, some experiences are tough. Some illnesses are bad. Some relationships that you go through, they're hard. These things that, that we face in this life, it can affect us. But we must believe that everything is for our good, regardless of how we feel at the time. We will never be perfect, but that is why we live by grace, through faith. Okay, that faith is what's going to keep us going. That grace is what's going to keep us covered. We will always need God's forgiveness, and thankfully, he always forgives us. He always gives us that forgiveness, even though we can't forgive ourselves. Sometimes we think we're so good, we can't forgive ourselves. We expect God, we know God can, but we don't take that step. And, and, and sometimes we think that we're kind of a little bit higher than God because we don't accept that forgiveness for ourselves. We put ourselves like, oh, I should know better. I should have known that was going to happen. Uh, sometimes, you know, the enemy will slip a, a quick one in on you, you know, but you, you got to get up. So what can we benefit by being focused in our walk with God? So when I was a teacher, I made lesson plans, and I had to because I had to have an objective in mind. Those kids had to learn something. They couldn't just sit there and play patty cake all day long <laughs> because that wasn't what I was told that I had to do. They had to learn things, especially if there was going to be a test, the evaluations, especially from the state. So this, if I didn't have a focus, then the students weren't going to learn what they needed to learn in order to be able to take the test. And you all know teachers are evaluated by how well the students do on the tests. So it, it gets to be pretty tough. So a focused heart has to be developed. And it's a process that takes time to learn, okay? A focused heart will intentionally seek after God. We have to want to seek God. 
we have to make an effort to read his word and to pray. And we need to make sure that we're rejoicing in God. Because when we focus on God and we rejoice in his love, all these blessings start to come to our heart. All these things that, that we didn't think were possible, they start to happen. We speak positive things and then all these blessings start to flow from us because we are giving blessings as well. A focused mind meditates on God. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. What we need, what we think or focus on will affect our mood, okay? And it will also affect our response to different situations. A focused body serves God. So we're talking about focusing everything, even our body. It takes all of our body to serve God faithfully. Our mind, our heart, our soul, everything. It is all there together. When our life is focused and concentrated on God, we can change the world for him because people see that difference in you. I'm sure that the people that come to anger management, they see something different in Brother Matt. They see something different in Brother Miguel. If they didn't, they wouldn't be here. They would be just, you know, and they wouldn't ask them questions. I come in sometimes after I teach my class, and, and he's just got them all fascinated. They're just all looking at him like, how in the world do you know all this stuff? Well, he knows it because he's been spending time with God. He's been spending time in the Word. He has a walk with God. And that's what we need to make sure that we have. When our life is focused and concentrated on God, Acts 13, 6, 36 says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. David completed the work that God had set for him to do. And that's what we need to do. We need to complete that work. When we're focused on our calling, we fulfill the work that he set out for us to do to the glory of God. But we have to be focused. We cannot be running like, you know, Chicken Little with their head cut off, you know, here and there and everywhere. We've got to have that ability to set it and focus because when we're not focused, when we don't have our eyes on God, then we're going to be like Peter, seeing all the waves and seeing all the troubles and seeing everybody else, and we're not doing what God wants us to do. The devil, the enemy will, will distract us. When we're focused in our calling, we fulfill it. Our faith becomes focused as we continue to meditate on God. But we have to meditate. Whatever you're thinking about, that's what, that's what you're going to go to. If you are not in the word, then you don't have anything there to fight with. Your weapons are not there. When we set, what, our, what we set our minds to become will be our actions and influence our attitudes. So, four blessings are going to in, be included in a focused life. The first thing, we're going to have a clear understanding. Okay? God wants us to be clear in what we understand. But we have to be in his word. You cannot just put it aside and say, okay, well, so I'll learn it by osmosis. That's not going to happen. I mean, you know, I used to tell the kids, they, they used to say, well, I took my homework home, but did you do it? <laughs> they were like, well, and I said, then you, all you did was give it a ride home and come back. No, no, you've got to look at it. You've got to be able to tell me what it is that you read. And, and a lot of times we don't do that. David said, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that will I seek 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And that's in Psalms 27.4. When we focus on God, we set aside all those distractions and all those delays, and we have that clear understanding. That was David. David says, I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to seek him. I want to be there all the days of my life. So how do we gain understanding? We have to ask ourselves questions. We have to answer them. What am I going to do with my time, with my resources, with my life? And this, this happens when, you know, when we're in college, we're just like, okay, what am I going to do with myself? Okay, so, you know, but we have to do this every day. We have to get up and, and we have to intentionally, on purpose, determine how or what we're going to do. Are we going to be distracted? Are we going to be focused? And, and it takes practice. It, it's not easy. It is not easy to live a focused life because we're, we're so easily distracted. It's, it's much easier to go this way than to be focused. The second thing that we have is we have joy. In Psalms 32, King David tells about how he felt when he tried to keep his sin hidden from God. We lose our joy when we try to hide something. David described how his body was wasting away how he groaned all day, how his energy was drained. And that's what happens to us. We're so busy that we're, we're, we just don't want God to see this. We're hiding it. We're spending all our time thinking, you know what? If I just hide it, if I just close that curtain, if I just close that door, then it's not going to be available for God to see. God sees it. When we try to hide something, our focus shifts from pleasing God to protecting our pride and our image. And that's, that's true. We're so busy thinking, I can't let anybody see this. I can't let anybody see how weak I am. Because if I do, then they're going to think less of me. And that's not true. When we confess and receive God's forgiveness, we can find our joy again, just like King David did when he confessed his sin. When he confessed his sin, he was like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I should have done this a long time ago. And, you know, and sometimes we feel like that too. Sometimes you know, when we come to God later in our lives, we think, man, I should have come to God a long time. Why didn't I come to God when I was young? Well, it wasn't your time, and you weren't ready. Okay? But we maintain our joy when we focus on knowing who God is. Because Zephaniah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We get our strength from God. That's where our joy comes from. The third thing that we get is fulfillment, clear fulfillment. When we focus on our calling, we're able to say like Paul did, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Um, just today, I read about somebody who passed away, somebody, uh, Brother Mike Miranda. I mean, he was a minister, an apostolic minister from Sunnyside. And I know this is one of the verses that they always put up when somebody passes away. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept my faith. When we keep that clear focus at the end of our lives, it will bring us a clear sense of fulfillment because we have accomplished what we set out to do. But a focused life 
can only be the result of focused days. You can't have a focused life without that. The last thing that we will have is a clear reward. When we live a faith-focused life, our reward is a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me that day, and not only to me, but to all them also that love his appearing. That is our hope. That is what we're looking for. That is exactly what he has promised us, and God is always faithful to his promises. This crown is promised everybody. It's not just promised to me, although I, know I want one. <laughs> I do want that crown. Hey, it, that's what we live for. That's what we are, that's our, that's our goal. That is our goal. We can use the example of the Israeli military operation to help us focus our lives. They were bound and determined that they were going to win the war. They, well, they were bound and determined, you know what, that enemy is not going to come and attack me. I'm going to attack them first, and I'm going to hit them where it counts. They're airfields. They're not going to be able to fly. Okay, so in the same way, you know what, when you, when you feel that enemy starting to come at you and you start those, th those thoughts come to you, I don't know, put up that sword, put up that shield and say, you know what, no, not -uh, not today. You are not going to take advantage of this because this is my mind. This is not your mind. This is the mind that, of God that I have not anybody else. We need to be determined to complete the task that we have been given regardless of the enemy's tricks and attacks, regardless of the waves that he's sending our way, regardless of the hurricane that is coming our way. We need to stand, and we need to stand firm because that's what God wants and expects for us. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? Israel had Syria, Egypt, Iraq, and Lebanon all trying to get them in 1967. And with God's help, there were so many miracles on that day. I was reading them, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. There was a, a missile that went directly onto, it was fired at a truck that was filled with military artillery. It was right in the middle of some place that, that they were loading it. And it went, and it didn't even explode. God stopped it. There was a captain that was with a bunch of tanks, and there was one Israeli tank, and he surrendered his whole company because in his eye, he saw hundreds of Israeli tanks right in front of him. There were soldiers that were in, there were 18 Egyptian soldiers that were in a truck, and there were two Israeli soldiers, two guns. They surrendered to them, and somebody asked them, why'd you surrender? Because my hands were frozen. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> Miracles that God performed on that day. There was another one, an airplane pilot that came in, and he came in so fast, he was like, I'm going to, they said, just, you know, break, or, you know, you're going you're gonna to burn up. He says, I'm coming in, I'm coming in. So he came in, and he hit, it, you know, he came into the part that there wasn't anything there, but he hit something, and they went over there with all, all the fire engines and everything because they thought they were going to find him totally burnt. They said, well, where's the pilot? He came out of the cockpit, and he says, I'm right here. 
They tested his tank. There was no fuel in it at all. He landed and there was nothing there. Amazing. God did such a work. And if he can do that for them, he can do that for you anytime. Anytime that the enemy comes against you, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Just like Israel going up alone, we have the victory because God is with us. All we have to do is focus on him. He is our joy. He is our fulfillment. And he is our reward. As long as we keep our life focused on him. God bless you. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Sister Dora. I believe that. Would you look at Psalms chapter 90? Verse 12. I, Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. I want to reiterate something that Sister Dora said. I felt the wisdom of what she said. A focused life can only be the result of focused days. Amen. I can't just hope one day I get focused so that I can be focused. I, uh, Sister Dora was talking directly to me. I am, by nature, scatterbrained. By nature, not by circumstance, not by having five kids, not by having multiple responsibilities it's just by nature I think okay I can handle that and 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 I'll get to that and then I'll do this and I'll get to this and I'll do that thankfully I have a wife also to remind me of what needs to get done and when because to me it all needs to get done and it all will get done eventually it's what they say there's no need to remind a man every six months about what he said he was going to do yesterday. He's going to do it. <laughs> I'm scatterbrained. And you don't get, you, you, you don't accidentally get focus. That's not just something that's, you know, going to be an accident on one of your days. No, you will have a focused life if you focus your days. This verse, Psalms 90 and 12, it says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. To number here doesn't just mean to, uh, to count them. Like, okay, I've got, this, I've got 365 days this year, so I've numbered my days. No. I, I want to I segue for just a minute and then come back to this. Because when, I, when the, the Lord brought this verse to my mind, he also reminded me something, reminded me of something that my mother said when she was here uh, just a couple of uh, months, about a month ago. Um, this, this idea of numbering our days. You might remember, you, if, you, if you had a great memory or the Lord helped you, 
she she mentioned she we asked her to just take a take a minute and say something here in service and she talked about age and and life and uh lifespan and how to us you know 90 years old sounds really old and and nine years old sounds really young to most of us um but all of that is just a brief moment in eternity first of all but if the lord knows that this nine-year-old is really only going to live to be 13 well they are well on in years right and if the lord knows that the 90 year old is going to live to 105 they got 15 more years to go to number the days really is like counting the age backwards what do i mean by that it means you don't know how much time you have left but if you're 30 years old and you are going to live to 35, you need to number those five years, not the 30 that you've already lived. And if you're 60 and you're going to live to 80, you need to number those 20 years more than the 60 you've already lived. To number means to assign or to appoint or to prepare. See, it's not about just counting. Really what it is, it's about focusing. Focusing the days. Number, teach us to number the days, our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. This is a wise thing to do. I'm going to say that again. This is a wise thing to do. To apply your heart to wisdom means if you know something is wise, then you do it. You've applied your heart to wisdom. If you know something is wise, uh, I don't mean to be rude. I'll just talk to myself again for a minute. If I know something is wise to do, but I don't do it, well, I have nobody to blame but myself when I get a repercussion for not doing the wise thing. You can stand with me. I'm almost done. Sister Dora, again, thank you for speaking this to us. The other word that she mentioned was objective. An objective. You, it, if you don't have an objective it's pretty easy to not be focused. I don't know what's going to happen today. I feel the Lord is kind of, he's, he's speaking and ministering on multiple levels, which is, which is very intriguing to me right now. Because on one hand, Yes, you've got to have the objective to have the focus to do what's the objective. But here's my question. Who is setting the objective? Is it you just deciding you want to lose 15 pounds? And so your objective is to lose 15 pounds and so your focus is to not eat those donuts? 
I'm, I, I'm all for being healthy, okay? Don't get me wrong. But I, I, and that's probably a poor example. But if we're talking about focusing our days, numbering and assigning our days with objectives, I don't want to just come up with all my own objectives and say, well, it'd be great if I did this, and I'd like to finish that. I'd like to have this accomplishment. I'd like to do these things. No, I need the Lord to help me set the objective. I, oh, I want to hear the voice of God when he speaks to me. That's an objective of mine. I'm not going to accidentally find that. I've, but with focus, with that being my objective to hear the voice of God, then I can focus on things that I don't think that's going to help me reach my objective. I want to, like I said on Sunday, I want to have the life of Jesus manifest in my life. That's an objective. That's a scriptural objective that I want to have. So if I see something and I say, I don't think that thing is going to help me reach my objective, what am I doing? I'm applying focus to the objective. I'll be honest with you for just a second. As elder of this congregation, we have an objective every Sunday that we have a service every Tuesday night that we have a Bible study, we do. We have objectives. It might not look like it sometimes. Because our objective is to allow the Lord to minister the way that the Lord wants to minister at that time, on that day. Yeah? My objective is not to preach a good sermon on a Sunday or to teach a good lesson on a Tuesday night. That's not my objective. I think most of you get that. Some of you are a little surprised by that. I don't know how. <laughs> but that is not my objective, to preach a good sermon on a Sunday. The objective is to allow the Spirit of God to minister to the congregation when the congregation assembles. Most often, we know what that looks like because we, we see it play out regularly. I'm thankful for that. But again, my, the objective, a lot of times when we, in this field, in this regard, my objective has to be not allow the flesh to do the thing the flesh wants to do. And I'm talking about Sunday in a service. I'm not talking about like outside of service. Because a lot of times on a Sunday in a service, the flesh wants to say, okay, we know how to have good church, so let's just have good church. Not if that's not the objective for God that day. This is why my focus is... To let the Spirit of God minister. And it's the same on a Tuesday night. And it's the same any time that we come together. To allow the Spirit of God to minister and flow. 
That's the objective at the, congreg uh, at the congregational level. And then I've got objectives of my, my own, at my personal level, just like you do. I want to have a closer walk with God. That's an objective. Just like I said, I want to hear his voice. I want to know that I'm not straying. That's what I mean by a closer walk with God. I want to know that I'm not straying away from him. So my focus and my objective, they, they drive these things. How do you, I, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question real quick. I'm almost done. How do you um, explain all of this that we just said to a new person that you've never met before? You need time, don't you? You can't, you can't put all of this into a little capsule and say, here you go, take your life church pill. And you'll get it. No, it takes time. I don't. Okay. An objective of mine is to not frighten off a visitor that comes to our church on a Sunday or a Tuesday night. I want the Lord to minister to them, and I want him to speak to them. He knows what they need. My objective is to not get in the way. Hear me. My objective is to not say the wrong thing. Let's go ahead and stop our stream. I want to tell you this story, and I don't want it to be live. 